0: Welcome back to the Line to Gain Show podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon here, as always. with Mike Parker, Mike, how's it going, man?
1: Going good, man. A uh, couple weeks off to kind of recharge the batteries, and we're back at it.
0: Absolutely. Hope everybody had a uh, happy holiday and and a happy New Year, safe and, and sane and all that good stuff. I know, I know, I did. Just getting you know, taking a little time to recharge the batteries, like you said, was was you know, priceless. So. Uh, glad to be back though and uh and today we're gonna dig into the 2000s NFL history and I am super excited
1: yeah a lot of content um over the last kind of 30 years from the 1990 s it seems like there's a lot of changes happening a lot of um different things and that we're seeing that are just fun to talk about we have <laughs> our our show lengths have gone from like an hour fifteen hour thirty to to like hour 45 almost yeah. two hours so uh, on
0: a side note mike texted me the other day as he's doing research for our next episode of the 2010s it was like this might be a two two and a half hour long episode and i think i my response was new phone who this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll, so we'll, we'll see what we're gonna we might be dealing with a little longer episode next time too but it's uh i feel like it's you know i think it flows it, it sounds good and and it's interesting
1: so yeah yeah so for, for all the Sam Bradford fans, we might have a deep dive into his <laughs> career for the next episode. So yeah. stay tuned. Our, one of us might have Spoil- a deep dive. Spoiler alert for that.
0: <laughs> all right. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it, man. Let's uh, s- start out like always with stat guy.
1: So one of the things that we had brought up is we knew there was a lot of quarterbacks that had played for uh, the Browns since they were reinstated or since they came back into the NFL for the 1999 season. Um, we knew it was north of thirty, but mm-hmm. um, we did, with Stack Guy's help, go into a deep dive of all the players. So we're going to name them. Just, just yeah, bear with I, us here.
0: With, there's, there's some recognizable names in
1: here. So the first guy out of Kentucky was Tim Couch. And then very promising at the time. I think he had led the NCA in passing yards. His yeah. like. Passing history for the season.
0: He was out of that quarterback crop, though. He was not the one, man. Right. Like, you yeah, know, there was because there were there. I think Donovan McNabb was in that group. There's some. There's some. And Dante Culpepper's in that group. There's some. Uh, there's some real, real big, uh, big, big names.
1: And ironically, the name that uh, the person that I think he beat for that NCA uh, passing record was Ty Dentmer, who okay. was the next person to out of to BYU? start. Yeah, to, to start for the Browns. Then we got Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Local
0: guy from Washington State. State. They're
1: looking at him for Jacksonville, perhaps. So we'll see how that that goes. A guy named Spurgeon Wynn. Now I I was like, I remember him well. (laughs) It's like his name sounds like some yacht from Martha's Vineyard. (laughs) That's, I thought that was pretty funny. I love it. Kelly Holcomb, uh, Jeff Garcia. I've always had kind of a sweet spot in my heart for him. He always really looked like he tried very hard. And <laughs> he looked like he He was he getting beat it. up all the time. He had, like, tape on his chin. Yeah, like, I remember. Just I getting remember. lit. But, man, he just competed all the time. Uh, Luke McGown. Uh, McMahon, um Trent Dilfer, Super Bowl-winning quarterback, just not for the Browns. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, man, I guess uh, – the new browns he won the super bowl with the new browns that
1: is correct yeah so um played for both sides yeah um charlie fry Derek anderson first round pick i think number 10 brady quinn yeah right another bad choice you know from a from a quarterback perspective uh ken dorsey
0: another uh i like to call him noodle arm ken dorsey I heard an analyst call him that one time. And
1: Very brother, tall, kind of lanky, yeah. you know, could make some good throws. Like when he was with San Francisco, I saw him make some good throws. And I go, oh, okay, we'll see what happens with my, this guy.
0: My brother loves it when people call him noodle Arm. So <laughs> if you're listening, Matt, noodle arm Ken Dorsey.
1: <laughs> so after Ken, we have Bruce Gredkowski, Colt McCoy, Jake Daylight Come, and I Iwana Delo, um,
0: uh,
1: Seneca Wallace.
0: Love Seneca Wallace. I thought Seneca Wallace was going to be your guy's savior, man. I really did. I thought he. I was like, he just needs a chance.
1: It's almost before his time, right? Like, not a traditional pocket passer. Um, I think it now, may even perhaps in the NFL we have nowadays, he does a little bit better. You find some ways to to make him work.
0: There was some DB for the Minnesota Vikings that had a good like long career, but he loved the NFL draft, and he would do like. I think he had, like, a website devoted to his, like, draft analysis and, like, who he thought, and he, like, I remember them having him on ESPN to talk about the draft, like, leading up to it, and he was like, Seneca Wallace is my number one player in college football, and, and uh, he's like, I think he should be the number the one. one pick in the draft, and I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, we got him in the third round, holy, you know, like, let's go, Seahawks, and then, yeah, he just never got it, really got much run, so.
1: Well, I guess Hasselback was the quarterback at the time, right, yeah. when he was playing? Well,
0: Dilfer was there, and then. I think Hasselbeck took over. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. After him, we got Brandon Whedon. Um, 35. Grandpa. Old, yeah. Papa, we call him.
0: Uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah.
1: Thad Lewis. Jason Campbell had a good run with uh, the football team there for a while.
0: He was in uh, University of Auburn, I think, with like uh, Cadillac
1: Williams. Yep. And... Ron, Ronnie Brown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brian Hoyer. Johnny Manziel. We all know that guy uh,
0: can i just say one thing i saw a meme a couple weeks ago that baker mayfield is just a sober johnny Manziel, hmm. and uh, i've never laughed so hard in my life
1: hmm johnny has better arm <laughs> yeah.
0: question mark question mark <laughs> exclamation point question mark um
1: connor shaw now, to me, this his name sounds like a character from, like, the Pelican Brief or something, not a quarterback in the NFL. Austin Davis, Cody Kessler, um, a retread, uh, RG3. Like, oh, my God, we're bringing an RG3. This might be something, you know. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser.
0: I thought he was going to be good, too, man. I really did.
1: I mean, it's 50-50 for first round picks alone. I mean, we start dipping into the second, third round. It's yeah. it's, really, it's really tough. Yeah. Kevin Hogan, uh, Stanford, right?
0: Yeah I, think, yeah, I think so.
1: Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor,
0: Tyrod.
1: Case Keenum, Nate Mullins. <laughs> That's the 31 players. Now, out of that 31, who, who do you think the best? Okay, we'll go best quarterback and the, uh, the most successful of those players.
0: Like, yeah, like are you? You're asking who?
1: Well, we'll do two Who had
0: the most wins or who had the most yards well, or what are we? Who had
1: the better career? And then who just had the best talent?
0: I mean, like career just while they were with the Browns.
1: No, saying? dude. Overall. Okay. All right. Better man. career.
0: You don't got to dude, me,
1: man.
0: Jeez. <laughs> uh, I mean, I gotta say it's got to be Trent Dilfer. You want best Super career? Bowl. Yeah. That's where I would have gone. Super Bowl. Yeah.
1: That's where I would have gotten as well.
0: And then what, like uh, numbers wise, it's gotta be probably Jake DeLone.
1: Um, he was like throwing interceptions. Jake, Jake, Jake Malone or Jake DeLone at that Jake Malone. Who's that? Okay. Um, uh, Jake DeLone at that time. So I'm not sure. I would say Baker's probably the best of that list. Um, okay. just from a talent standpoint. Um, I think he is a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. If he's he, just
0: not a star, man.
1: If he can figure out how to not black out um, at times, yeah. then I, th- I think he has some talent. Um, you well, can definitely. I don't, I don't
0: think there's much you got to worry about as i I'm pretty sure he's gone from the Browns now. They're going to be very soon. They might
1: tag him, and I'm not sure who they're going to get. Well,
0: the, I don't know if you. After this last Monday night game, he came out and said he was hurt, and that's why he's playing so poorly. And then the coach got asked about it, and he was like, "Told me he was fine." Yeah. So that's <laughs> not a good. Uh, that's not a good response. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We're... So
1: there's the summary Uh-oh. of the ineptitude of the Cleveland Browns and their inability to. Um, develop the quarterback position
0: okay so fun times uh, yeah absolutely uh so then we also another stat guy uh correction we had from the last time our, our clarification so longest field goal in nfl history was september 26th of this season justin tucker baltimore ravens 66 yards
1: now for clarification we did know this we knew the record was broken this year yeah. it's just the we details know, right. and the we date and all exactly. that all right, so you brought up something really interesting um, in. I think you're changing the game from the last episode, and that was the coin flip. So I did a deep dive onto this to just kind of set up the stage for what happened. So it's Steelers at Lions, November 26, 1998, just a regular uh, regular season game. Um, it went into overtime. So uh, leading so that
0: it. That was the Thanksgiving game, though. I'm
1: like 99%. Yeah, that game. would have been that time, yeah. Um, Leading into the OT, the the flip, Jerome Bettis was selected to uh, select it. And he said like this, he did this hedge, he said, head tails. And um, it's clearly picked up on the microphone. And then he kind of reinforces this when he goes back and talks to Cower, Bill Cower, his head coach, about what he had did. He clearly said that he tried to hedge that. It's picked up a microphone there, too. All right, so at the time, the rule was the referee accepted the first value that they heard when the coin was in the air. In this case, he heard heads, which is what the Jerome Bettis had said, picked up on the microphone. He
0: said 66 and, a, and, and two-thirds uh, of heads, so yeah. they counted that.
1: <laughs> well, you started with the H, you get right. you get the whole thing. Yeah, So um, and so per the last episode in 1998, the coin flip... Uh, rules were changed because of this this i mean this was that the thing that caused the change or the rule to be implemented you had to call it before the flip and it, to me it just adds to this dealer shickanery throughout the history at least from the 70s till now
0: right cuz we discussed how they we, we, we really have into a couple of, we um, have
1: Super completed games. touchdown passes that were ruled incomplete. We have the so-called um, immaculate reception that no one can see mm-hmm. with the, the series of penalties that happened after it that no one called. We have the frozen field that um, happened in Pittsburgh that, you know, didn't allow the Raiders, you know, they didn't postpone the game or anything like that. We have... I don't know how many phantom touchdowns that they did. Super Bowl phantom <laughs> uh, pass interference, uh, yeah, the phantom, phantom clipping. Pass interference, no doubt. Um, so all of these different things with the Steelers. Oh, um, Tomlin standing in that zone on a kick return, forcing the kick returner back inside to the defense. I mean, all sorts of weird stuff happening with that team. Yeah. So this is just another example, I suppose.
0: Well, I you know. From the sounds of it, I think that's the end of Stat Guy, and apparently we're getting better, Mike, because uh, Stat Guy had very little to uh, to talk to us about this week. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, we nailed most of it. It just it's about pulling the details out. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. All right. Well, uh, the Dynasty by Decade rules, uh, as always, you must make the playoffs in a given year to earn points. Uh, to be the Dynasty of the decade, you must win at least one championship or Super Bowl. Teams will earn points based on how far they made it in the playoffs. One point for a playoff berth, two points for a conference loss, three points for a conference win, uh, four points for a Super Bowl loss, five points for a Super Bowl win. The uh, winner of the Super Bowl in any given year collects nine total points. So this will help us determine the dynasty of the decade, the runner-up, and uh, then other notable teams.
1: Sweet. All right, so let's to do this, we're going to start in with our categories. First category is This Just In. So um, in 2000, this is the season we're, in, we're talking about to start, um, was the last season to start Labor Day weekend. Week one was moved to the next weekend thereafter. Um, the New England Patriots, with the 199th pick in the sixth round, select Tom Brady, quarterback, Michigan. And that's the end of the episode.
0: (laughs) Wait, who? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, not bad, man. Not bad. Um, Also, in early 2000, uh, Woody Johnson uh, of the Johnson & Johnson fame was approved by NFL owners as the new owner of the New York Jets.
1: Awesome. And we have a lot of records, Jeremy. What do we got there? So
0: uh, in that 2000 season, Corey Dillon sets the NFL single game rushing record with 278 yards. Uh, on 22 carries against Denver, breaking the previous record of 275 yards by Chicago's Walter Payton. Uh, Gary Anderson passes George Blanda as the NFL's all-time leading scorer with 2,004 points. And San Francisco's Terrell Owens set single-game receiving record with 20 receptions. He had also 283 yards, breaking the previous mark of 18 receptions by Tom Fears of the L.A. Rams from the 1950s, who I believe one of us had him on our uh, fantasy team from the 50s. Ah,
1: not r- remember. Don't which. recall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that those were some some pretty big uh, numbers going on, you know, big, big records going down.
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple other notes here, a um, couple of RIPs. We have RIP Eric Turner, uh, former safety of the Cleveland Browns, uh, passed away from complications of stomach cancer way too early. Um, he was one of my favorite players of the Browns, along with Eric Metcalf. There, the thing about those teams that there wasn't a lot necessarily to really uh, like enjoy about, you know, the Cleveland Browns over the years, but they have like some of these players that really just stand out to you, and those were two of them for me. Um, yeah. I had. The, I, I was a
0: Seahawks fan in the 80s. I remember
1: well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had the pleasure of watching um, him compete in, uh, against Seattle on a uh, Christmas Eve game in 1994. So my family lives in Cleveland. We, had, we were living in Texas at the time. We did a road trip out to Cleveland. And then my dad had gotten me and my brother tickets to go see the Browns game where the Seahawks were in Cleveland in the older awesome. stadium. Um, it's one of my best like memories of football, and I it it's burned in my brain, and it's it was a surprise to me. It was a really good experience. It was a Bill Belichick coach Browns team, and they defeat the, they beat the Seahawks uh, thirty five to nine. Um, they did finish out the year that, um, eleven and five that year. Turner had six tackles and an interception of uh, Dan Maguire. Um, oh, Disco Dan McGuire. Disco Dan, brother of um, Mark McGuire of baseball. Uh, (laughs) Notoriety. Uh, Side note, Lewis Riddick, the current um, caller for uh, for Monday Night Football, he's a defensive back in that game. He had three pass defenses, five tackles, two penalties, 10 yards uh, in the game. So RIP Eric Turner. uh, Really liked watching you play. Also, another person I really liked um, watching play, um, RIP Derek Thomas. uh, Paralyzed and eventually passed away from injuries resulting in a car accident. Uh he was inducted to the Hall of Fame uh that year.
0: I remember that well, man. I do. That was uh that was pretty shocking. I mean he was Derek Thomas was one of my favorite players and um yeah, just just terrible, terrible accident that, that caused led to his death. So
1: he was part of that eighty nine draft that you know, for me was kind of my favorite. Barry Sanders, Dion Sanders, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Thomas. Um a bunch of other players that are not coming to my mind right now, but it was one of my favorite. And he definitely was one of those players that stood out to me, really uh, liked um, the Kansas city chiefs at the time, which is weird because I was a Seahawks fan. They competed against each other in the same conference. In fact, one of my most memorable memories of, of football is that uh, seven, I think he had eight. No, he had seven uh, sacks against uh, Dave and Craig. Dave Craig. Right. Uh, he missed the eighth and, and But he the threw Seahawks
0: it still won that game, which was crazy. Right, it yeah. was,
1: it's an amazing game. You can YouTube what, it. How
0: many did, didn't? Uh, I mean, Nineteen ninety. Yeah, not by one person, but this last game for the Browns, Baker Mayfield got sacked nine times. I was like, it's just yeah. How do you win when you? Well, that that was
1: Dave Craig. He was actually they a couple other guys got him too. So it was one of those oh, days like, he was yeah, under yeah, constant yeah. pressure. All right, so that's uh, two thousand. So for two thousand and one, obviously, um, September eleventh, two thousand and one, happened that uh, that during that season, the NFL did not play what was supposed to be week two. As a result, those uh, games were rescheduled uh, to the weekend of January sixth and seventh, and uh, the playoffs, Super Bowl, and Pro Bowls were all moved back one week.
0: Okay. Uh, also in that 2001 season, NFL clubs approved additional league-wide revenue sharing at a special league meeting in Dallas. The teams agreed to pool the visiting team share of gate receipts for all preseason and regular season games and divide the pool equally starting in 2002. So,
1: I'm I wonder sure. if it's just a percentage share, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm not, not so Because sure. I
1: don't know how you would know, like, oh, you're a Rams fan, you're a Seahawks fan. Like. Right, right, No kidding. <laughs> Um, so also in 2001, Michael Strahan passes Mark Gastineau in the single season as a single season sack leader with 22 and a half. Um, this was that incident where we had talked about in previous episode where like Brett Favre took a dive essentially and gave him that uh, that final sack to put him over the list or right. put him over the, uh, the line. So,
0: yeah, no, very no, suspect. You know, I was uh, I, it's funny. I hate to keep right this is like my fourth time referencing the freaking Monday night football game from this week with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think that TJ Watt got to 21 and a half sacks in that game. And everybody was kind of like hoping he was going to get that 22nd, or, you know, one more sack to get to 22 and a half. He almost did uh, in the fourth quarter, but, you know, would have tied – would have tied Michael Strahan without going to the next game. Right. Know? Would have so kept it in a sixteen extra, game. Yeah. it would have yeah. been in sixteen games, so that's a that would have been interesting. But we'll see what happens. I guess has to put an asterisk next to it if uh, if he gets it in the seventeenth game here this week. But all right. So the other thing from the two thousand one section, Mike is Ray Lewis goes back to the Super Bowl.
1: We mean back. He was just he was he was just there once in oh one for that two thousand year Super Bowl.
0: Oh, but the year before he had gone there and stabbed somebody and said he was never gonna come back until he came as a player. So he came back.
1: Stabbed. He stabbed. So. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, well, allegedly, allegedly.
0: He pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's the end of the two thousand one. On to two thousand two. <laughs>
1: Um, So this is when Reebok takes over as the single official supplier of the NFL uh, for 32 teams and officially licensed clothing and shoes. Um, They wanted to change the jerseys for all 32 teams and the universe, the the owners were like, no, we're not doing this. This is ridiculous. Like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of these jerseys and these uniforms go back so long and there's a tradition to that. And the owner's like, I'm not going to let you just gussy up like a Packers uniform or a Bears uniform. Let's, let's get I real. I like that. Gussy up. Yeah. That's yeah, my, that's great. Well, I learned that in the forties. Um, so, uh, instead Reebok would create an idea of alternate uniforms. So this is pretty cool, right? They came up with these special colors and designs. Like, you know, you have a, a pair of, you know, Jordans, you have different colorways and different, you know, ways that it was the same design, but they put the colors on differently. So, um, Yeah, really, really interesting. Now, did they actually, did they
0: do that or they just came up with the idea and then later Nike's the one that followed through with the colorway? I don't know about, I I can't remember.
1: No, they did alternative jerseys where they had different, you know, they would combine, I think they brought back, for example, the uh, powder blue for the Chargers. So they keep a lot of the same stuff. So they introduce it as kind of like a special thing and these throwback jerseys and these alternative colors.
0: I had this red It was like red with blue the navy blue and so it basically replacing the 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 baby blue on the uh tennessee titans jerseys uh and eddie george but it was the instead of being the light blue on like the body of the jersey was red and then it had still had like the the dark blue uh shoulder uh, you know shoulder patches or whatever so yeah yeah but I i don't think they ever wore that jersey i think it was just like a off color wave thing that they had put out for
1: Whatever, well, yeah, like that. So. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that Reebok came up with.
0: No, so. Great ideas,
1: man. Um, the exception to changing um, their uniforms was the Seahawks. They kind of introduced that uh, the new uniforms. They added a darker blue and lime piping, similar to the color scheme of the current uniforms. Yeah. But like, see uh, uh, Super Bowl, the 2004 Super Bowl with um, Seahawks versus the the Steelers. Pits, the Steelers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, uh, also in that 2002 season, Mike, uh, some new stadiums opened. Uh, Seahawks Stadium in Seattle, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, and Reliance Stadium in Houston um, all opened up. And uh, for the first time, the NFL season kicked off on a Thursday night in primetime as the San Francisco 49ers defeated the New York Giants 16-13 to uh, in Giants Stadium.
1: Give me more football, more days. <laughs> no, I love
0: it. Uh, Oakland Raiders wide receiver Jerry Rice passes Walter Payton for the all-time lead in yards from scrimmage
1: still holds that record
0: Yeah. Uh, Baltimore Ravens cornerback Chris McAllister set an NFL record for the longest scoring play with a 107-yard touchdown return of an errant 57-yard field goal attempt by Denver Broncos kicker Jason Elam
1: I love McAllister it was like uh, Samuel L. Jackson was playing cornerback <laughs> had that kind of similar, yeah. similar look
0: Uh, Yeah, and Emmitt Smith becomes NFL's all-time leading rusher, also passing Walter Payton. Um, Marvin Harrison of the Indianapolis Colts set the single season record for pass receptions with 143, surpassing Herman Moore's 123. Herman Moore was my guy. Like I loved him that those couple of years when he was really balling out. It was surprising Barry how Sanders. how
1: good he was. Like when we were looking at the, when we do the draft, we were looking at Herman Moore. I mean, he probably for the decade was probably the five or sixth best receiver for the entire decade mm-hmm. of the '90s. And you're like, hmm. Um, yeah, I mean he had, not like, enough.
0: he had like one and a half just amazing seasons.
1: And yeah, like, that's I'm well. That's sure. what it ends up being. It's the consistency right. at a high level. Um, Probably should be in the uh, Hall of Fame, though, honestly. Really? Yeah. Not enough receivers from that area in yeah, there. Yeah, really not.
0: And then another one, RIP to Johnny Unitas, um, dies on 9 11, the first anniversary of the attacks uh, of a heart attack. So moving on to 2003, um, Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia opens, a renovated Soldier Field in Chicago, and a renovated Lambeau Field. In Green Bay, also open, which is you yeah, know pretty cool.
1: Seems like a theme. Like, all right, we need some mega stadiums,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need uh, bigger and better, please. More
1: luxury boxes. Um,
0: and then also, in, uh, on November fourth of that year, the NFL Network launches, which is fantastic because now we have the you know it's twenty four seven football.
1: Yeah, love the love the station. Um, I have it on my um, YouTube TV package. It's definitely nice to have. Um, next, we have kind of an RIP, Sid Gilman, um, revolutionized passing offense as the coach of San Diego Chargers in the AFL. His concepts of forcing the defenses to defend the entire field uh, by using motion and different route combinations is the basis for many of the offense offenses that exist in the NFL today. Uh, he passed away peacefully at the age of 91 and was inducted into the Hall of Fame that year.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh- I also had a couple of R.I.P.s from '03. So, uh, R.I.P. to Tex Schram, one of the, you know, brainchilds of the of the merger. Uh, he dies at the age of 83 on July 15th, and then Otto Graham dies at the age of 82 uh, on December 17th. So, a couple of uh, titans of of the early years of football.
1: Yeah, Otto Graham was that quarterback for the Browns in the '50s. They won the decade. Um and it was because a large part of him
0: he won me to fantasy football.
1: Yeah, and then he retired. Um they they kind of lost a year where they missed the playoffs and stuff in the in the mid sixties and then they drafted um Jim Brown and it kind of picked up again. And it wasn't the sixties, it was nineteen fifty seven I believe. But um in the mid fifties. But very important to the franchise. Yep.
0: So moving on to 04, Mike, what do
1: you got? All right. So we have a similar situation to that 83 draft with, um, John Elway. We have an Eli Manning quarterback, University of Mississippi, um, drafted first overall by the Chargers, um, like Elway before him, uh, he didn't want to play for the Chargers and told him as much, um, also, a weird note: Ernie Corsi, uh, who uh, was the GM for the Giants, is the same GM um, of the Colts in 1983 um, with the Elway situation. So, man, this guy's like
0: every what? time I hear that, I'm just like I'm blown away. Like, I, you know, I I forget about it, and then I'll see something about one one or the other of the the two trades, and it's like I can't believe the same guy was the was the uh, the GM twenty. 20 years apart, 21 years apart. So
1: I go, one of two things. One, I go, maybe he's just a really bad GM because all of his teams are picking first in the league. But then I look at, if you dig into the 83 scenario, he was the assistant GM at the time and the other guy just quit. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. So he he basically got promoted into it. Right. Um, But for all of this, uh, the New York Giants get the rights to Eli Manning and the Chargers get uh, the rights to Phillip. Rivers, a 2004 third-round pick that became Nate Kading, their kicker, uh, and a 2005 first-round pick that became Sean Merriman, and a uh, 2005 fifth-round pick that they eventually traded away. Okay.
0: Interesting, interesting. Uh, And also that year, the NFL sets an all-time paid attendance record for the second consecutive year. Owners vote to extend the instant replay system for another five seasons through 2008. Um, A federal appeals court formally ruled in favor of the NFL's draft eligibility rule in Maurice Claret's lawsuit, citing federal labor policy and permitting NFL and the Players Association to set rules for when players can enter the league. Now, this was a huge story at the time. Maurice Claret, freshman at Ohio State, they win the championship, set the world. He, he, against is, Miami. Yeah. Oh, that in that room right there. I watched that game. My brother, like, picked I, I forget. I think he took a remote control and just threw it on the ground as hard as he could at the end of that game. When uh, the pass interferences were a little yeah, suspect, <laughs> but. I think that was the play that, that he did that on. But yeah, so Maurice Claret's like the, the talk of college football, talk of football, really. And he was huge, man. Like, he was, like, I mean, he was, I don't think he was that tall, but he was just built like a tank.
1: There know. is a 30 for 30 called Youngstown Boys that discuss the rise of Jim Trestle at Youngstown State mm-hmm. and him moving over to um, Ohio State and his ability to recruit local talent, including More uh, Claret, and how good and transcendent he was that freshman year. Yeah. winning a national championship and just finally going, all right, I'm going to go into the NFL. I've done everything I can do here. Yeah. But unfortunately the NFL has that rule. You you have to do three years. So you, if, if it's just a standard time, you have to, you have to play through your junior year. You can be red shirt, sophomore red shirt, whatever. And then, but you have to play three years, essentially from, you know, when you start playing college. Right. And he challenged that and unfortunately lost. And, um, I don't understand why necessarily. Um, I get the idea that you know an 18-year-old kid going into the NFL, a violent sport for all intents and purposes, and playing against you know, 25, 35-year-old men, it's, it, there's potential for injury and all these other things. I get that piece. Right. But just from a legal perspective, I guess the only way that I can think that they lost is because the NFL and the NFLPA agree. Right. So the whole part of it is somebody being denied. But if the union that you have to join in order to participate says, yeah, we agree, we've come to terms with it. it's part of our CBA. Right. Then, no I mean, standard. what can you do? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So that, that was uh, – I felt like that was a pretty – I thought he was going to win the case personally just because I was like, why you – know, how are they going to – you just won a national championship and all this stuff and you're – you know, you had – we're the best running back in college football, more or less. And you know why? Why can't you go if you can? If you think you can make it, but
1: yeah, this is a great note. Yeah, yeah, I forgot um, about this one.
0: Yeah, and so and then another uh, just another little uh, statistical um, category that I wanted to point out is that Peyton Manning uh, set the NFL single season record for with forty nine touchdown passes.
1: And then he lost it to Brady, and then he got it back again. Um, in 2013 when he threw for 55 touchdowns yeah yeah
0: amazing amazing guy i i, I watched him on the super bowl against the seahawks lovingly
1: <laughs> uh, so there was a couple of rips um, so we had pat tillman for those who don't know he was a safety for um, the phoenix cardinals uh, post 9-11 pat enlisted in the army Became a special forces army ranger, served several tours in Afghanistan. Ultimately, he was killed by friendly fire during a firefight in the Afghan mountains. He was awarded the Silver Star and Purple Heart for his efforts there. So, RIP, Pat Tillman.
0: Yeah, he was, and he turned down a contract to go back to the Cardinals uh, to go, or maybe another team too. I think he had multiple offers on the table and said, no, he's going to serve his country, which. Is heroic, man.
1: I definitely have a lot of respect for somebody that's willing to um, essentially change their life to uh, take that call.
0: Yeah, so absolutely.
1: Um, also, Reggie White, um, they called him uh, the Minister of Defense. He played defensive, I guess he was defensive tackle for the Eagles, Packers, and Panthers, earning a Super Bowl ring with the Packers, and was enshrined in the Hall of Fame. He passed due to complications of sleep apnea he was 43. Jeez. i am older than reggie white at this moment
0: don't die of sleep apnea okay <laughs> i don't have sleep apnea. <laughs> uh, all right on to 2005.
1: all right so um this was the first time that a regular season game was played outside of the us mm-hmm. the 49ers and the cardinals played in mexico city They drew an NFL season attendance record of 103,467 paid fans. Nice. Man, Mexico turned out. Yeah. That was just people kind of walking. That's like, you know, I don't know, like people at the grocery store in Mexico City. I mean, there's the population of that place is insane. Um, Yeah. so also in '05, due to the effects of the Hurricane Katrina uh, and the damage to the Superdome, uh, the Saints were forced to re- relocate their operations. They played home games in the Dome, San Antonio, and at Tiger Stadium at uh, LSU in Baton Rouge.
0: Remember that well. Um, also that year, the NFL strengthened its steroids program by adopting the Olympic testosterone testing standard. This tripled the number of times a year any player can be randomly tested during the offseason from 2 to 6, uh, adding substances to the list of banned substances and putting new language in the policy to allow for testing of designer drugs and other subs- substances that may have been abated by detection.
1: Man, I just I don't know about this, like the USADA and they couldn't pick up Lance Armstrong for like a decade. I mean, who knows? There's a lot of holes in this stuff. Not that I think that it's rampant in the the NFL, but I think the Olympics, it's absolutely rampant. I don't know about the NFL. Yeah,
0: no kidding. No kidding. Um, NFL owners vote to approve the purchase of of the Minnesota Vikings to real estate developer Ziggy Wilf. Um, Wellington Mara, the New York Giants' president and chief executive officer, dies at the age of 89 on October
1: 25th. R.I.P. the Duke.
0: R.I.P. to the Duke. Also, Seattle Seahawks running back Sean Alexander set the NFL single-season record for touchdowns with 28. Again, this uh, you know technically happened in '06, but was part of the 2005 season. Uh, and then the NFL Network televises its first live games there at the end of the 2005 season, and I mean,
1: hey, we're and we're off.
0: What? Yeah, what a better t- what a better time to be alive, Mike. Jeez, man. 2000s
1: awesome. were nice when it comes to football, for sure, or the NFL in particular.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: So 06, uh, Paul Tagliabue uh, announces his retirement as the NFL commissioner. Uh, enter Roger Goodell, a fan favorite. Uh, so here's Paul's legacy, kind of in a nutshell. Of course, he did many different things, but um, so league added four teams, Panthers, Jaguars, Texans, and the Browns or Ravens, depending on how you look at it. I think technically the Ravens are a expansion team and the Browns were just coming back. Okay. Uh, next, uh, four more teams moved, um, the Raiders to, back to Oakland, uh, the Rams uh, to St. Louis, the Oilers to Nashville. Uh, becoming the Tennessee Titans. The Cardinals to Glendale, renaming Arizona, uh, moved to a suburb of Phoenix. Um, he oversaw the construction of 17 new stadiums. So you mentioned a few of them earlier. He saw an explosion of uh, specialized, what we, what you would call mega stadiums. He began an in-house specialty cabling network called the NFL, which we talked about just a second ago, increased television rights and fees uh, with broadcasting partners, and of course maintain labor peace with the NFLPA. There was no labor strike during his um tenure.
0: Take a note, Major League Baseball.
1: Does anyone really care if they come back?
0: I, yes, I do. <laughs> Any see, the Mariners are finally going to be good. I said see, I called them the Seahawks inadvertently, but they're still finally going to be good, I hope.
1: I hear. I hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So flexible scheduling was introduced. So this is an idea where you can flex games into the Sunday night football to showcase current hottest streaking teams and matchups. So they did that with week 18 this week, where they flexed the Chargers Raiders into the Sunday night football game because it actually has mean winner goes. Right. The well,
0: in Seattle and San Francisco were supposed to play a few weeks ago on Sunday night football and they got flexed out of that there they you guess, go they're terrible yep and I think it's only like later in the season that they can do it's like starting week 12 or something they can do I'm not positive but it's I know it's not like the first week of the season they can't yeah flex anything out anyway Um. so yeah uh, NFL clubs approved an extension of the collective bargaining agreement through 2012 owners also agreed on an expanded revenue sharing program that will redistribute between 815 and $900 million throughout the course of the deal. NFL clubs unanimously decided to return the name of the official game ball to the Duke, like you just mentioned, in honor of the late New York Giants owner Wellington Mara.
1: So I think the only th- smudge on his thing is that whole um go-galac ordeal with him and al davis where he kind of signed uh pete gogolak to the deal and started the the wars between the afl and the nfl
0: right but it ended it ended well for him that is
1: that is true yeah so we have an rip um it's uh, lamar hunt Um, we talked about tex Schramm earlier lamar hunt was a the founder of the afl he and tex shram worked tirelessly to um get this merger in place, um, to bring us, bring the AFL into the NFL. So, uh, he dies, um, December 13th, 2006 in his Dallas, Texas home due to complications of prostate cancer. He was 74 too early.
0: Yeah, definitely. Rest
1: in peace. So one of the biggest things that came out of this decade, and the names and incidents that I'm going to kind of call out here aren't necessarily from this decade. It's kind of added to this idea that the NFL was full of, like, criminals and this had a bad media perspective and all this other stuff, so... Um, not that I agree necessarily. I mean, you're going to find all sorts of different people. And and when you group in a, a, have a subgroup of people. Um, so I don't think it's disproportionately more, uh, criminals or anything in the NFL than there are in regular society. In in fact, probably less as a percentage. So I think the media perception is all that the NFL really cared about. So, um, as he assumed the, commission, uh, the office of the commissioner of the NFL, Goodell was tasked with improving the NFL's image in the media. Um, my guess is this comes down from some some ownership groups because he kind of is at the mercy of the, of the ownership group. Um, in the months leading up to Goodell's ascension to the office, nine players from the Bengals had been arrested. Um, working with the NFLPA, they decided it was the teams that would be ultimately responsible for the conduct of their employees and would be subject to discipline for any transgression. So essentially the NFL's take is we're going to deal with the teams and we're going to punish the teams, but then the teams have to like kind of make sure everyone is, stays in line. So to kind of demonstrate this, we had Adam Jones had a felony battery and coercion uh, fighting charge, Chris Henry aggravated assault with a firearm DUI felony assault, tank Johnson, Possession of a concealed weapon, other weapons charges.
0: Husky, Husky, great, Jake
1: Johnson. Uh, Michael Vick, um, several far-only charges related to dogfighting. Uh,
0: can I just stop? For he got second. railed on that, but I, yeah. I always feel like I remember. Is it Leonard Little from? He was a DN from the uh, from uh, the Rams. Like, got two DUIs, and like on his second one, killed uh, or. A woman lost her baby because of it, or something like that. And I was like, he got like a three, two, three, four-game suspension, and Michael Vick is like railroaded through, you know, to federal prison for fighting dogs. You know, I mean, it's like I feel like sometimes people have a skewed view of reality when it between animals and human beings, but.
1: Yeah, I mean... I
0: mean, both are wrong. Clearly, both are... It's not good to fight dogs and kill dogs or whatever, but when it doesn't correlate with somebody that killed a person or even with a vehicle, whatever, through a DUI, I feel like that should be... You should be suspended at least for a year or something. I don't know
1: yeah there's a great 30 for 30 um, Just it seems like there's always a great 30 for there's, 30 for something 30 but there is 30. one for Mike Vick as well where they go into a little bit of this um, it was in the suburbs of Atlanta kind of out in the sticks and there's, he's
0: from Virginia
1: there's a cultural aspect to what was happening there's a racial aspect to kind of what was how hard he was being pressed on this and there were a lot of other things that got in the way of this and So to your point, there's always discrepancies and punishment and it's hard to like have a template that goes, all right, he did this. We're going to give him this much time off, you know, you know, suspend him this much. Yeah. So speaking Um, of – I'll
0: I'll try not to interrupt you too many more times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of DUI manslaughter, we have Dante Stallworth. Uh, ben Roethlisberger at least two sexual assault allegations. Nobody, um,
0: nobody happened to mention that on his last bar in Georgia and there. a
1: hotel in Nevada. I hadn't known about the hotel in Nevada. I didn't realize it was two. Yeah, it's pretty. And they
0: both are are eerily similar to one another sure. if you read the details. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Go go
1: ahead, Mike. Adamic and Sue uh, mostly on field, um, stepping on people and slamming opponents' heads <laughs> into the ground several times. Yeah. Um, Ray Rice had a felony assault um, We don't have to like go over the details But there was a video released for this one That was um, particularly Impactful to the media and the perception Of players and in the NFL I, I
0: honestly feel if that video wasn't there Like it would have been he said she said and he would have been well, absolutely. he was still a thousand yard rusher For Baltimore at the
1: time Probably so. well he got like four games or something like that yeah. And then that's that was until the video Came out Right. And then they had to make some different choices um adrian peterson domestic violence uh reckless or negligent injury to a child um was pretty brutal to a to a small baby his his baby um aaron hernandez um now this isn't a 30 for 30 but there's a great documentary about him and this whole situation uh, where he was convicted of of murder yeah it's on netflix uh, I encourage you to go check it out and uh, educate yourself. Daryl Washington violating substance abuse, ab- abuse policy, aggravated assault. Uh, Jonathan Dwyer domestic violence, aggravated assault. Greg Hardy domestic violence. His stuff was like weird, like yeah. <laughs> throwing people around well, and he threw his, the like, gun.
0: girlfriend onto a bed full of loaded guns yeah. or something. Yeah.
1: Martavius Bryant. Um, violating substance abuse policy, and Ezekiel Elliott um, accused of domestic violence, sexual assault, and aggravated assault. So there's, like I said, it's not all happening within the 2000 decade. Some of this happened uh, more recently, but it's oh, kind of yeah, like there's so many more you could go. Like, it's the like, examples. Josh that, Gordon with
0: the NFL substance abuse issues.
1: I'm a little bit like when it comes to the substance abuse piece. I go That's a little funny. bit. I mean, I get it. You don't want people being high on the field, but let them smoke. Right. Let him smoke some weed. I guess. Yeah. All right. So that's it for uh, the the increase in uh, player conduct policy. All right. On, um, on to
0: 2007. Indeed. I
1: guess. All right. So 2007 brought us Spygate. Yeah. Uh, New England was accused of filming the New York Jets practice. Um, ultimately, they were fined um, 250 thousand uh, dollars. Bill Belichick himself was fined um, a half a million. And they were stripped of their first round pick in the 2008 NFL draft. Uh, At most was the 32 pick. They ended up um, actually 31st pick because they went to the Super Bowl that year and lost to the Giants. You
0: know know what I say, man. If you're not cheating, you're not trying.
1: (laughs) I don't know how much they filmed or what they gained from it. It seemed a little suspect, but, you know, whatever. So that same year, New England Patriots went 16-0, speak of the devil, on the regular season and ended up losing to the New York Giants in Super Bowl Forty Two, one of the biggest upsets, I would think, in um, Super yeah. Bowl history.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, that same year, NFL clubs approved additional league-wide revenue sharing in a league meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. The teams agreed to redistribute up to $430 million over four years retroactively to 2006.
1: There is a lot of these teams funneling funds to each other. It's, yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah. Um, this one I thought was really cool, Mike. The NFL, NFL Players Association, NFL Retired Players Association, NFL Alumni Association, NFL Charities, and Pro Football Hall of Fame formed the first-ever alliance to coordinate medical support services for former players. Five months later, NFL owners unanimously approved another $10 million in alliance funding for retired players to help pay for joint replacement surgeries and other medical assistance, supplementing the initial $7 million they committed that year in July. So, you know, I mean, it's the least they could do, really. But I'm glad that it was, it was things moving in the right direction, I think.
1: Exactly. Um, I like where they're headed. I think $17 million to do all of this stuff is a little light, considering the cost yeah. of medical attention nowadays. Right. But um, I guess that's the thought that counts.
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so uh, some more interesting stuff from that 2007 season. Mike, on October 28th, the New York Giants defeated the Miami Dolphins 13-10. to 10. At London's Wembley Stadium, in the first regular season game played outside of North America. I know uh, a couple couple of uh, years back, you you mentioned the Mexico, the Mexico City, City yeah. game. So uh, I didn't get the. Uh, I know it was a lot of fans there. I didn't get the. I know there's a hundred thousand plus fans in Mexico City. I should have checked on that. Um, and then a few milestones from from that year. Brett Favre passes Dan Marino and touchdowns and yards to become the NFL's all-time career leader. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady set the single-season record uh, with 50 touchdown passes, like you mentioned a little while ago, including uh, 23-to-wide receiver Randy Moss, which is also a record. Um, They all got Moss that year. Yeah, man. Uh, New England also becomes the first team ever to finish uh, a 16-0 in the regular season, and they also scored a record 589 points
1: speaking of randy moss there's another great 30 for 30 called uh, randy U." uh you should check Mm -hmm. it out some really good insight into randy moss and where he came from and um, how he rose to be probably the second best receiver in nfl history
0: yeah he is i agree
1: the 2008 season saw a marked increase in the new offensive f- uh, philosophies, at least to the NFL. Some of these were being used in college and high school. But uh, the Wildcat, for example, is based on a halfback option, puts the running back in taking the snap from the center, and is used to create mismatches in the running game.
0: That was Ronnie Brown,
1: right? Ronnie but Brown, the Connor. aforementioned Ronnie Brown, was, uh, and the Miami Dolphins are the ones that kind of uh, were using that more often than not. So essentially he just stands in takes the snap usually in shotgun and he can decide where he Just wants to go from you. there. Yeah. yeah. So the spread offense, uh, which, which uses multiple wide receiver sets and the quarterback primarily in shotgun. Um, uh, this is used by almost everyone in the league and we'll have a little bit more detail on where this kind of came from. I believe in the research that I've found that, um, this kind of really stemmed from, That 2008 Oklahoma Sooner uh, team, that was one of the best college offenses in the league. Sam Bradford was the quarterback. He won the Heisman Trophy that year as a sophomore. Um, It's kind of like, to me, I'm going to make a case next week um, that that's kind of the the start of it all. So look forward to that next week. Can't wait. Also, we had what they call the Suggs Package. It's where two quarterback packages that create mismatches based on the quarterback skills. So see the Ravens with Joe Flacco and Troy Smith. So Troy Smith would come in and, you know, you had a run pass option or something like that, something that uh, fit his skill set a little bit better. Um, the current iteration that we we have seen over the last couple of days with that Drew Brees and Taysom Hill combination. Right. So. I
0: know the Seahawks ran a little bit of like they would bring uh... – seneca wallace in as a wide and put him out at wide receiver or have him run a sweep or put matt hasselbeck out at wide receiver and he would run like a more of a wildcat type thing um, seneca wallace would so yeah i remember seeing that quite a bit so yeah um you know also that year mike the nfl uh the united states olympic committee the united states anti-doping agency and major league baseball Announced a partnership to form a clean competition anti-doping research collaborative. Mouthful. Mouthful. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know, like what you know. I think that drug use is probably needs to be monitored, especially in the NFL, or you know, and in, in these in sports in general, to make sure people are playing on a fair playing field. But at the same time, let these guys, you know, recover with a little uh, CBD
1: well i think that's fine
0: um yeah you know it's like you know that's the thing as long as they're not smoking weed before the game i like, can't do that but if you're using it to recover on monday or with sunday night or monday and then you're back to back to uh i
1: think most of this is to share best practices for the use of performance enhancing drugs i do too Steroids but they still and, consider yeah, know,
0: yeah. I, I get it yeah okay um Also, that year, uh, another to add to the list of new stadiums, Lucas Oil Stadium opens in Indianapolis. And the NFL established a new fan code of conduct to help support positive fan environment in all NFL stadiums.
1: So I think this is absolutely necessary. Um, I took uh, my wife and daughter to a um, Browns game, again in Cleveland, new iteration, this was a couple years ago. And um, it was against Miami Fitzmatrick um, Brown's one but Dang. there is a lot of stuff going on around spilling of beer and cussing and screaming crazy stuff and yeah. you know people yelling like angry kind and I just like come on there's there's a kid here let's let's just everybody be I mean, civil I, I, don't I, under, I, I don't understand. I don't
0: understand on you for taking your. Like you're in Cleveland, man. What do you expect from these people? Well, my, I'm, just kidding. I'm, kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm we're kidding. not, we're not Detroit. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta realize, uh, um, when you have kids around, man. You can't be. I mean, I, I'm all for you know shouting and saying crazy stuff, but not,
1: you know. Well, like, you, you get this, right? You get the passion for the football, yeah. and, and I, I have a lot of passion for the NFL, and I want to share that with my loved ones, and Absolutely. you know, I, I took my, uh that same daughter to a Washington Husky game and it was a completely different experience she had a great time she you know wasn't into the football as much but like all the the pomp and circumstance around yeah. it she really enjoyed and we had a really good time but we go to the um, the Browns game and it's just like it's a different experience she doesn't want to go to games anymore and oh, man. And, uh, and I get it Thanks, it is Cleveland what it is yeah thank you Cleveland
0: for, uh, we broke a little girl's heart <laughs>
1: No, her 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 heart was cold to NFL to start with, so nothing was broken.
0: Oh, man. Just kidding. So, yeah, that, no, I think that was a good thing, though, that they put in uh, a, a code of conduct for fans. Because, you know, you don't want to see a guy, like, just piss drunk falling down the stairs or something. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's a bad
1: look. We saw that at a, also at a Boston Bruins hockey game when we were in Boston. What?
0: Are you just, like, trying to, like, go see the, like, the worst fans in all of sports, or what?
1: Well, I what I try to do when I go to these cities, and if I have the opportunity, I want to go and, and watch them play. Like, I was in New Orleans um, a couple years ago, and we went to go watch the Pelicans play. I really wanted to see Zion Williamson, but he was still out with that yeah. knee injury his rookie year. But I did get an opportunity to see um, Gold State. That's who they are playing. And just... Watching Steph like with the cuts, and, and yeah. it just I mean, that guy's so good and he's always moving. And it was just so that's I like I went to a Capitals game, I went to uh, a, a, I was gonna say Bullets game, but a Wizards game. Um, where else did we go? come been to a 76ers game in Philly, like there's it's fun to experience it in different yeah, places. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: gotta be a good time. I've been, I've the only uh, out of market game I've been to is the. Went to a Baltimore Orioles game like twenty. It was right when they opened Camden Yards. It was like the, that, like late in the summer after uh, they had had the All Star game there, and Ken Griffey Jr. had hit a home run in the home run derby off of the mm. warehouse. And yeah. so there was like a big thing for him up there on the um, up on the the warehouse. But I went there. My little so my brother Matt collected little uh, the mini bats, and this is how I knew how bad the fans in Baltimore were. I'm like, well, where can I get a a mini bat i want to buy a mini bat for my brother i go into like a little gift shop they're like yeah we stopped selling those because people were buying them and then beating each other up with them so like <laughs> point taken i'm gonna go back to my seat now thank you sir welcome
1: to Baltimore. uh yeah so my my dad took my daughter to a capitals game um out there versus the flyers when we were in dc and uh had a great time and we had a couple of flyers fans in front of us and we're chatting and it was fun to kind of watch that. It wasn't crazy or anything, not, not, yeah. not, not like Boston, but I bet. Yeah, it, it's all about kind of catching the right team, right day, you know, that kind of stuff. But Absolutely. Everybody calm down around kids. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no doubt. What are you doing?
0: Chill out, man. All right. On to 2009. Let's close this uh, decade out. Money.
1: Yeah. All right. So NFL celebrates the AFL's 50th anniversary that season. Uh, we also saw for the first time a Super Bowl past um, was the most watched program in history. They had 154 million uh, people tuning in to Super Bowl 44. It uh, surpassed the 1983 series finale of MASH. Um, also in 09, uh, we were had another gate scandal. Uh, the bounty gate saints defense essentially ended the careers of two hall of fame quarterbacks. So I kind of went back and I watched the championship games, uh, or the, the, the playoff games for these two. So they faced Kurt Warner and the, and the Cardinals in the 09, uh, divisional round. He was under constant pressure. He wasn't, he, he could move in the pocket, but he wasn't really a mobile quarterback. Um, Kurt Warner, um, he threw two interceptions on the second one. He attempted uh, to tackle the interceptor. So he, he it was a short pass. It was intercepted by a defensive lineman, and he rolls to his right. And he's absolutely obliterated by Bobby McRae. He left the game for the rest of that half. He would come back um, in the second half to finish the game, but didn't play another game in the NFL after that. And uh, we also had Brett Favre, who in the 09 Conference Championship, Uh, one of his first interceptions um, of the game, he was high load. So that's where you have a player going at low and another guy coming high, basically bending him in half, ended up with a leg injury. Um, He did fight through that. Um, He lost in overtime. Favre throws two interceptions, three quarterback hits and a fumble. Um, Favre did play the 2010 season, only 13 games with some underwhelming stats before he retired. So it was the beginning of the end for Brett Favre uh, with the Minnesota Vikings in 2009. Um, and he was also, that, that Bounty Kate uh, scandal, they did find proof that um, he was on a hit list, essentially. The Greg but, Williams. Yeah, that Greg Williams hit list. Guys, a savage. Slush fund. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, that season also, for the first time, an NFL game was broadcast on NBC and also streamed live in its entirety to fans on the internet through NFL.com and NBCSports.com as the Giants beat the Redskins 16 to 7 in the NFL kickoff game. So you know we're uh, so it's a brave new world now, Mike. We got we got games on the internet even.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Um, also that season, uh, Washington-based Attorney Demoris Smith is Named as the new Executive Director Of the NFLPA I don't even remember who the guy was before him I probably should have looked Gene at him Gene Upshaw? Oh, boom, you look at this guy The big brain on Brad um, uh, The Red Zone Channel is launched that year, which is like my Staple for love Sunday it. mornings love now it. Love it, love uh, Can't get enough of that But um, and that that was that's a game changer, especially for guys that play fan or people who play fantasy football. It's you know like why even bother watching another another you know a full game, but uh, unless it's a great matchup. But yeah, anyway, um, NFL announced uh, games that were blacked out in the home team markets during the 2009 season would be shown on NFL.com in their entirety on a delayed basis. So at least you I always
1: wondered them. why like the New York Giants and Chicago Bears were on that station at, like, Tuesday at right. 8 p.m. Pacific time.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, there you go.
0: And then uh, also the the last thing I had for 09, uh, Roger Goodell notified all teams of new and expanded guidelines on return to play for any player who sustained a concussion. And that was on December 2nd, midseason. I'm thinking yeah, there's a lot of controversy about concussions in the NFL at this time. I think the movie concussion with Will Smith is getting ready to come out somewhere around here, and it might have been a couple of years after that. But um, government got involved too yeah. with this
1: thing as well. We'll find so, out yeah, more about that later.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So that's all for this. Just in.
1: Well, and we should start change the category name from this just in to this an hour later in or something. Oh, right, right, okay. <laughs> it's getting quite long. Yep. All right. Uh, The next category is the teams. Uh, We started off 2000 with 31 teams. Um, We have in the American Football Conference or AFC, uh, we have the East, Central, and uh, West divisions. In the East, we have the Colts, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, and Patriots. The Central are the Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Titans, Jaguars, Browns. Man, that is a full one. And the West, we have the Raiders, Chiefs, uh, Chargers, Broncos, and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, In the NFC, we have um, the the NFC East, the Cowboys, Giants, Cardinals, Eagles, Redskins. In the NFC Central, the Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions, Buccaneers. And finally, in the NFC West, we have the San Francisco 49ers, St. Louis Rams, Falcons, Saints, and Carolina Panthers. Now, in 2002... Um, we add the Houston Texans as an expansion team, so that brings us up to thirty-two teams, and then we realign um, into four um, four-team divisions uh, in each conference. So, yeah. uh, the... so,
0: eight total divisions after.
1: Yep, that is correct.
0: At the end of the decade, we have in the American Football Conference the East. Consisting of the Miami Dolphins, New York Jets, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. The AFC North, which has the Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Cleveland Browns. Uh, The AFC West has the Oakland Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs, San Diego Chargers, and Denver Broncos. And the AFC South, which has the Colts, Texans, Jaguars, and Tennessee Titans. The NFC consists of the East with Dallas, the New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington football team, NFC North, Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions, NFC West with the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, which were moved over. Only team Uh, to be moved over. Yeah, only team to switch conferences, Uh, Arizona Cardinals, and then the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There it is. Got it. Got it. So now, And that uh, sets the stage
1: for the next 20 years, essentially.
0: Right, right exactly. No, not much more, move, not, no, no more movement, really, after that. So,
1: All right, that brings us to our next category, changing the game. So um, 2,000 on uh, sportsmanlike conduct penalties were fine uh, penalties and fines assessed for group celebrations. Now, we've seen them lax. That rule, because when somebody gets an interception, the entire defense goes to the end zone and does their little thing. So, or the group like a receiver, they have like a little group thing. So that that has been lifted, but back in two thousand,
0: well, they're definitely like cracking down more on like kind of like flexing on guys or um, yes, trying to show guys up. Yeah, uh, taunting. They're they're allowing yeah, taunting. I guess so.
1: Any player wearing 1-49 to and 80-89 to can now play quarterback without having to check in. This leads to uh, an increase in trick plays.
0: Which is pretty cool, man. I, I, was, uh, I was pretty surprised by that. I didn't know that was even a rule.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me neither. It's pretty crazy. Adding uh, to the age-old question, what is a catch if the ball touches the ground as a player is falling but still has clear control of the ball? It can still be considered a catch. This has Ask been something over the, like,
0: Ask Des Bryant. Okay. Yeah,
1: got it. well. His well, he lost it when it hit yeah. the ground, so it's a little different. Just yeah. very crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. So uh, also in that 2000 season, uh, off-field supervisory titles are eliminated, preventing coaches from changing teams without becoming a head coach or quote in cases where it's written into individual
1: contracts. Now so, I read this and I went, wow. I and I should have known that this is what like teams would do to get that upper edge. Like, I have a second coach, I'm going to bring him in, I'm going to call him a, a special advisor, or a consultant, or and whatever, then essentially yeah. he runs a certain portion of the team.
0: Yeah, I thought that that was pretty chicanery good. abound. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, in, uh, instant replay renewed with the same uh, challenge rules as what were implemented in 1999. Um, and then off-field consolidation of the sports internet presence is all summed up in NFL.com with teams evenly splitting the proceeds.
1: Yeah, I mean it only makes sense. You don't want a different, a bunch of different iterations of .coms and web yeah. pages out there. You or just each
0: individual team having their own uh, website. That's you know there. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, and I think yeah. I, I, so now I'm pretty sure that. There is a Seattle Seahawks dot com or a Seahawks dot com or a Cleveland Browns dot com. But it's still an NFL dot
1: com. Right. It's uniform base, yeah. in the platform. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So.
1: All right. Back. To, and now to uh, 2001. The NFL emphasized enforcement of taunting rules and roughing the passer. So they're on the books, but they're they're asked the refs are asked to take a, uh, a better, you know, to to police it a little bit better. Right. Throw those flags.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's so funny when you see that. Like, you'll hear like every so often, like, "Oh, well, they're emphasizing this now. Like, that's what they're worried. And So, like in preseason, especially, you'll see like just a slew of maybe pass interference if they're they're really trying to 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 lock you know do away with uh, defenders putting their hands on players. Now it's you can't touch them. But, you know, if you touch them past five yards, penalty, whatever the case may be. But you you de- they always say that every couple of years you hear a new penalty, a new emphasis on on one penalty or another, you know? Right, yeah. So, yeah, also in that 2001 season, Mike, uh, instant replay renewed for three more years with the same rules. Uh, Fumble recoveries will be awarded at the spot of the recovery, not where a player's momentum carries them, which I don't really, that's pretty arbitrary. I don't know, like how, I didn't know that that was even a thing.
1: Like if you catch it and slide into the end zone, you don't get the end zone, you don't get the touchdown. Right, okay it goes sense. back to the point where you uh got possession
0: yep and uh another one another rule change from that year bandanas and stocking caps are banned but skull caps as long as they have team logo and colors are okay
1: so stocking caps i imagine the 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 do-rag type stuff that they the players have on um underneath the helmet is that what we're talking I, about i'm guessing so yeah. yeah
0: that's what that's the one i saw I don't know. I didn't fact check it too, too hard, but <laughs> so, something like that happened.
1: Well, you always got to be presenting the team's logo right. as kind of what it comes down to, it looks like. All right, for O2, uh, the pylons uh, were officially in bounds until any part of the player touches out of bounds. So as long, you could be flying through the air and you're touching that pylon, that vertical line from the pylon you're in that's a touchdown and it's a first down as long as none of your you know nothing is touched out of bounds right you get that you get that yardage the act of batting stripping and punching the ball from a player is officially legal uh, and the peanut punch is born
0: (laughs) peanut tillman i love it like yeah he really (laughs) mastered that
1: yeah um was it darius leonard um with indianapolis colts this year he's a be used with that too. man I'm, I've been watching that um in season and hard knocks um with him with the Colts yeah and it's it's a joy to kind of watch him go through his stuff and how enthusiastic is he is about the game and how yeah, good he I good yeah. at uh, what he does how how good he is at what uh, you he know,
0: does it's kind of a, it's almost at a detriment to the to football though now to like the game gameplay because you see so many players I, I was just watching one of the college bowl games the other day and one of the the defenders just whiffed on a on a, a tight end kind of caught the ball over by the sideline and ended up running for like 50 yards or something down the, the sideline I don't think he got all the way to the to the end zone, but he—it was all because the one of the defend—they had him boxed in like three guys, but none of them went for the tackle. They all tried to punch the ball at the same time, and he kind of just spun out of it and was gone. For you know, it, it, one of the safeties finally tracked him down, but it—you know—it's just like that's kind of what all these these uh, defenders want to do now is like, a few, okay, well I'll let you get a first down, but I'm going to try to punch the ball out. And
1: yeah, I don't know. Well, that's what was so good about Tillman and Leonard is that they actually. Go for the punch and almost the wrap up at the same yeah. time, right? They've been able to master that skill. Otherwise, you shouldn't do it unless the, the player is right. kind if of wrapped up. Got them wrapped yeah, up, exactly. <laughs> um, so, also, I thought this was super interesting. Um, not a lot of them have it, I guess, but uh, with the opening of the NFL's first retractable roofed stadium, the Reliant Stadium out in Houston, uh, the NFL enact- enacted the following rules. Uh, The home team must decide whether whether the retractable roof is to be opened or closed 90 minutes before kickoff. So you can't just open and close it throughout the game because you feel like it. So you have to decide before the game starts. If it's closed, it can't be reopened during the game. If it's open, it can't be closed unless there's some severe weather condition. So they can, like it's pouring down rain, lightning, they can close the roof. They stop the game anyway and then they can get it closed and,
0: well, yeah, and in Seattle, you know, we have a retractable roof on our baseball stadium and I think it's pretty similar that you know, they if it's not raining, they have the thing open and it will they'll close it during the game if it starts raining, but if you know, then if the sun comes back out, they're not reopening it in the middle of the game. They're just going to leave it closed. Once it closes, it's closed for the game and right. they'll reopen it later. But.
1: The craziest one to me was the, the Phoenix stadium where the field out
0: retractable field they have
1: a retractable field so bonkers what they come up with man pretty crazy and that the uh the atlanta one isn't it where the roof closes but it closes like a i don't know like a door on a spaceship
0: i think so i think it i've never actually seen it open or close but i think you might be right um yeah and so um some more rule changes from that 2002 uh year Continuing action fouls now become dead ball fouls and will result in the loss of down and distance. Any dead ball penalties by the offense after they've made the line to gain Boom. will result in a loss of 15 yards and a new first and 10 series. Uh, the chop block technique is ruled illegal on kicking plays. Um, it is illegal to hit a quarterback helmet to helmet anytime after a change of possession, so... You know, like you talked about with the bounty crate stuff, block. yeah. You, yeah, you can't uh, you can't clean up a quarterback and hit him helmet to helmet after uh, they used to headhunt uh, after an interception. Like after little, an
1: interception. Yeah. Somebody would come out of the out of the woodwork and just yeah. hammer the quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, after a kickoff, the game clock will start when the ball is touched legally in the field of play. Uh, I didn't know that wasn't a rule before then, <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh, now. <laughs> yeah, the two minute exception is eliminated, and you know what, Mike? I didn't know what the two minute exception was.
1: Mm, but what uh, is it?
0: Inside of two minutes, the game clock will not stop when the player who originally takes the snap is tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Interesting. So, I don't. Yeah, didn't know that was a rule either. Uh, and then two thousand three, which I think this might be my 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 list of uh, my my list of uh, rule changes was mighty short this week. But uh, in 'o three, officials will be kept together as a single crew during the playoffs. This is a change from the past seasons when the, quote, all-star officiating crews worked the postseason.
1: I remember this rule. I remember rule. it, too, yeah. pretty
0: well. Yeah, they, they would have these, yeah, these, like, the best of the best reps, which seems like a good idea, but they're not used to working together. So yeah, that's of, the key. You know, that's, that's the problem, I think, so.
1: Yeah, I think if you use – you have a great crew that you work well with. You keep yeah. that crew intact. They can play off each other a little bit better. They, they know where people – like them to be in positions and stuff like that. Shade a little bit to the left. Right. Yeah. All right. So 04, um, officials are instructed to strictly enforce uh, illegal contact, pass interference, and defensive holding. This really led to a lot of uh, pass interference calls in in the NFL during that time. Um, Receivers are allowed to wear uh, numbers 10 to 19. So my question to you, Jeremy. Who's the best receiver to wear a number of the teens?
0: It's got to be, uh, oh, man, Arizona Cardinals. It's either Larry Fitzgerald or uh, DeAndre Hopkins.
1: What about Randy Moss, 18, for the Raiders?
0: Ooh, burn. You got me, yeah.
1: Brendan Marshall?
0: Well, with the, did he only wear it with the Raiders, though? Cause only he, with the Raiders, yeah. Yeah, no, that, his Raiders years. That's like his lost years. And no no on Brandon Brandon Marshall's. But the
1: there. best player. Not not the year why he was wearing the number.
0: Oh. Well, if he wasn't wearing the number and the the years when he was good, I mean, yeah. Obviously Randy Moss is the best wide second best wide receiver of all time. So if I mean if you want to count it like that, yeah. All right. But I'm saying so- the best wide receiver to spend the majority of their career in a teens number is gotta be DeAndre Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. But if you want to, I mean, yeah, if you want to include, if you want to say, yeah, if it's Randy Moss, if, if it's just, if you ever wore a, a teen's number.
1: Hey, hey, man, I'm just throwing it out there. This isn't an official stat or anything. God damn it. The best receiver with a teen <laughs> number. Um, I
0: will argue anything,
1: okay? No, go ahead. I'm surprised it made it this long. But in 2004, the single bar face mask was officially outlawed. Um, the last player to don the single bar uh, face mask was Punter Scott Player, uh, 1998 to 2007. And he played for the Cardinals and the Browns. I looked up this guy. He's just wow. like a regular dude.
0: So didn't Gary Anderson used didn't Gary Anderson and Morton Anderson used to have single They had bars some single bars and, back
1: yeah. then yeah. All oh right, five. O5 uh, the horse collar tackle uh, pulling a player down by the back of, or side of the opponent's shoulder pads is now prohibited. It is nicknamed the Roy Williams rule after the Cowboys safety caused serious injuries to uh, Terrell Owens of the Eagles. Terrell. Terrell <laughs> don't call Terrell. me ta- Terrell. Um, Tyrone Calico, the Titans, and Musa Smith of the Ravens. Uh, this tackle broke uh, Terrell Owens' ankle. Um, uh, the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl that year, and it was unclear whether Owens would be available to play. Uh, he, um, to the chagrin of the team doctors, uh, Owens played uh, in in the big game with a broken ankle, he had nine catches for 122 yards and a loss to the New England Patriots.
0: That guy is a phys- physical specimen. Like, he could probably come back and play today.
1: Well, there's always, like, that Instagram post where he's, like, running a 4-5 and crisp routes. And...
0: Well, I have a hot take alert that if Terrell Owens doesn't drop a touchdown pass in the third preseason game from Matt Flynn in 2008, 2007 – Uh, Russell Wilson's rookie year. Russell Wilson doesn't win that starting quarterback job. And they go with Matt Flynn, who they paid a bunch of money to. And, but he, because he had just like that, that was like his one, he, that was the game that Matt Flynn got the most run and he was looking pretty good and he hit Terrell Owens over the middle of the field for like a 60 yard touchdown pass, but Terrell Owens dropped it in the end zone.
1: I will say for, from all of the things that I heard about that, uh, preseason and training camp, Russell was by far above Matt Flynn in practice and everything. So,
0: well, that's uh, my hot take. Okay. And I'm sticking to it.
1: Hot take? We'll take it. All right. So, um, 2006, defenders were prohibited from hitting the passer in the knee or below unless he was blocked into him. You know, we can see um, Tom Brady getting hit in the knee on that uh, where the guy was stumbling. And blew it as ACL, missed the season. This was due to major season ending injuries to prominent quarterbacks like Carson Palmer of the Bengals, um, Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers, and Brian Greasy of the Bucks.
0: I forgot Brian Greasy even played for anybody but Denver,
1: but yeah, good point. He did, the Bucks. Um, 2008, one defensive player can now wear a radio like a quarterback, usually the Mike linebacker, which is your middle linebacker. Indicated with the green dot on the back of the helmet. So you can see them from home. They have the little green dot, little sticker. Um, 2009, uh, the NFL began to institute concussion protocol based on the recommendations of U.S. congressional hearings on concussion and other major injuries. Yeah, the government got involved and some changes needed to be made. I like it. All right. And that wraps up our category, changing the game. And let's get into that fantasy draft and see where we're at.
0: Let's go. And I just want to preface this by saying that I only asked you one question, and I'm going to let you pick your quarterback first, and then I'm going to say what the question was. You had the first pick. Take it away, Mike.
1: All right, my first pick uh, quarterback um, for the 2000 draft is Peyton Manning. I have him for 2004 and 09. He threw for a total of 13,470 yards, 115 uh, passing touchdowns, another 141 rushing, and one touchdown. Peyton Manning, my first pick.
0: Okay, so my question for you was, did Dante Culpepper score more points than Peyton Manning? Because according to the years you gave me, and... The years that I chose Dante Culpepper with my first pick for, it sure looked like Dante Culpepper may have scored more points than Peyton Manning in those three years. I took him from two or in the, I took him in the year two thousand, two thousand two, and two thousand four. He had twelve thousand five hundred passing yards, ninety touchdowns passing, just under fifteen hundred yards rushing, and another nineteen rushing touchdowns. So I would like the breakdown, if you have that on your spreadsheet there, of points for Peyton Manning versus Dante Culpepper alone. That's all I care about. I want to win this one.
1: All right, so to answer your question, uh, Dante Culpepper had a total of 936 fantasy points um, for the 2000s, and uh, Peyton Manning had 912.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: And the reason that is, obviously, is you have a lot more uh, rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And because you get a full six points for the rushing touchdowns, it really... And another four, almost 1,500 yards of rushing. So, man, that was another one of those those great picks, like, where you're utilizing... Like, kind of the Randall Cunningham type yeah. player, ironically. Yeah,
0: you got me on that. So, yeah. All right, so who is your uh, second quarterback?
1: Uh, well, it's got to be Tom Brady. Um and was,
0: this, this is where he destroyed me.
1: Um, it's not that bad, I will say. But um, Tom Brady uh, threw for 1,300 yards, 104 touchdowns, another 231 rushing, and another four rushing touchdowns. Probably a lot of sneaks on the goal line. I had him for 05, 7, and 9. He destroyed people in uh, 2007, obviously. 386 points just that one year. So that was the big year where he throws 50 touchdowns and all that other stuff. So
0: Right. So I was... Picking through quarterbacks. I think I my next text message to you was laughing about, like, Derek Anderson for the Browns and, and Jeff Garcia. And then, lo and behold, I had to take Jeff Garcia of the San Francisco 49ers from 2000 to 2002. And uh, he finished up with um, a little over 11,000 yards passing and – uh, 84 touchdown passes along with another thousand plus rushing yards and nine touchdowns which you know obviously a thousand rushing yards in three seasons for a quarterback is pretty good so um, yeah i was uh, that i think that's what really like put him above
1: so the point differential there between tom brady at a 897 and jeff garcia was 856 so it's right, it's right in that area um, again another great find um, multi-use quarterback that uh, uses legs and his arms scores a lot of touchdowns um, yeah. definitely a good strategy
0: yeah yeah so anyway then I, uh, I had the first pick of running backs so you did. Uh, there was really no other way to go than LaDainian Tomlinson of the San Diego Chargers I had him in 2003 5 and 6 he had 4900 plus yards rushing and fifty-nine touchdowns, another fifteen hundred plus receiving yards, and nine more touchdowns. And the thing that got me was he had just over eighty passing yards and six passing touchdowns in that time as well.
1: Yes, very very impressive. We had him with uh, over a thousand, a thousand seventy-five, roughly, uh, fantasy points for those three years. So I was looking at him and I was going like his. Resume the years that he played. You know, let's throw the Saint uh, the Jets out. Yeah. But his years with the San Diego Chargers are on par with just about anyone else in the in the history of the NFL. And I have to figure out a way. Maybe we can kind of get our our brains together on this and how to quantify and compare players across these decades. I think ultimately, you know, when we kind of wrap this up, we might want to think about you know comparing some of these guys and trying to. Put some, maybe some brief lists together about, you know, based on what we've learned over this right. this journey through this podcast here. And yeah, so Ladanian Tomlinson, I think he's probably, I'm going to just go up, probably three, four top running back in the history.
0: Gotta be, gotta be a special player, man. Anyway, really special player. great,
1: great, great pick. All right, my first pick at running back was Priest Holmes, had just some great seasons there with Kansas City. Um, I have him at uh, 4,500 um, rushing yards, 56 touchdowns, just a touchdown machine, uh, 1976 receiving, and another five. So Priest-Holmes, a little over 1,000. Wow, so
0: he, okay. he probably was really close to LaDainian. Yeah, see, that's what I was like, oh, good. I'm going to get – like I'm, this is where I'm going sc- to like outscore him big time. You're going to get LT Ladanian. and Priest-Holmes? Yeah. Well, no, no, I just thought – I just didn't think Priest Holmes – like like going into it, knowing that I had the first running back selection, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get LaDainian Thompson. He's going to be way better sure. than the next person. And I, I, when I was going through it, I'm like, God, man, the yeah, Priest Holmes is right there. there, there was Kansas City had a couple good running backs there. Jamar
1: Charles after that, Larry, yeah, Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yeah, Larry Johnson, right. Well, well it was Larry that. Johnson, then yeah. Jamar Charles, yeah. Uh,
0: so my second um, running back selection was oh, – I had to go – Love this guy. People, Seattle Seahawks fans hate him. Like, for some reason, I don't get it. But Sean Alexander from 2000, 2004, and 2005, 4,700 yards rushing and 59 touchdowns, another 700 receiving yards, and seven more touchdowns. And his 05 season, he won the MVP, was like, set the record for the most touchdown, rushing touchdowns in a season by a running back. I mean, just had one of the best best running back seasons of all time, really. Yeah. And he, it just wasn't sustained. 04 and 05, he was amazing. And then I had to just pick one more season where he was, you know, 2000 was like the next best season after that. So, so
1: two things. He would only run left. You had Steve Hutchison and um, Walter, Jones. Walter Jones on the left side, all, both in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, I mean, he would run white sometimes, but that was their play, right? And then – Watch, watch the tape. He never gets himself off the ground.
0: He always got picked up by his linemen. Always
1: got picked up by somebody.
0: That's funny, man. Yeah, and, and that—that's the whole thing. It's like, well, he—he he would uh, duck out of bounds instead of taking a hit, or he would go down instead of taking a hit. I think that's why Seahawks fans uh, just don't don't appreciate his greatness for those few years. But well, it was and, very then we, and then we watched Marshawn Lynch
1: just you know ravage folks. people. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah he. he he there wasn't a lot of like these long breakout runs that he would have. Yeah. Um he would always get caught from behind every once in a while, looking up at the telestrator to try and figure out like who was behind him. Good stuff.
0: Exactly.
1: All right, the second pick for me running backs is Amon Green. Um had really like three like several great years with Green Bay, but he another, had
0: another former Seahawk.
1: Yeah. Uh, four thousand four hundred uh, yards rushing, thirty-four touchdowns, another fifteen hundred receiving, and uh, ten touchdowns. Amon Green.
0: All right, all right. This this is really this is really where it, it spiraled out of control for me, I think. But go ahead, let's let's get to wide receivers, uh, shall we?
1: Yeah. So sp- the aforementioned Randy Moss is my first pick. I got him for two thousand three and oh seven. Um, he had, um, 4,562 receiving yards and 55 touchdowns. Um, I also, yeah, yeah. Randy Moss, first pick. (laughs) Uh,
0: So I, I had to go with the next best, the clearly next best player was Marvin Harrison, the Colts from 01 to 03, 4,400 yards receiving and 35 touchdowns and, Ten rushing yards. Great,
1: Marvin. Aaron. <laughs> so I took uh, Terrell Owens, um, have him for uh, four thousand yards, another forty-four receiving touchdowns.
0: Um, I took Tory Holt, St. Louis Rams, oh three to 4,300 yards and thirty-one touchdowns.
1: You seem very disappointed I'm about very, this.
0: Yes, I am. I gotta. I'm, never mind. Go, you, you, Larry. Let's go. Flex. Your flex. <laughs> My flex. All right. I had to take Marshall Falk. This was like, it was so diluted by this point. I was basically just looking for the two best years I could find um, of any player and his 2000 and 2001 were great. And then Oh two, he was about done. So um, Marshall Falk, St. Louis Rams, 2000 to 2002, 3,700 yards rushing and 38 touchdowns, another 2,100 receiving yards and 19 more touchdowns. So, Pretty, not too shabby for three years when the majority of those stats came from two.
1: Yeah, and that's another 900 in fantasy points, basically, for those three years. Yeah. So it's right in line with Amon Green and that, and that space. Yeah. So my first pick for Flex was Edron James. Um, we have uh, 4,763 rushing yards, 35 touchdowns, another 1,400 receiving with six touchdowns.
0: Another former Seahawks.
1: Yes, and Hall of of Famer.
0: For a moment. yeah. Uh, My second flex pick was Larry Johnson, Kansas City Chiefs from 05, 06, and 08. Again, this was two incredible years and one one not so, you know, just kind of throwing in an extra year. So he had 4,400 yards rushing and 42 touchdowns, another 1,500 yards receiving and 15 touchdowns, and also had one passing touchdown.
1: And wasn't he in Space Jam? Oh, wait, that's the other Larry Johnson. Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma Ma. Shout out. My favorite player back in the day.
0: Him and Muggsy Bogues, man. They were fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, My next pick for uh, Flex was Clinton Portis. Um, He had 4,600 rushing yards, 40 touchdowns, another 894 receiving, and two touchdowns. He had a Cribs uh, episode. It was great. Great stuff. Watching him in this like flower, bright shirt, yeah. walking MTV and me <laughs> at home through his house. It was Absolutely. fun. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's great.
1: Glenn Portis. All right. So, uh, tight end. I believe that was me. Tony yep. G. I got Tony Gonzalez. Um, 3,500 uh, receiving yards, 26 touchdowns.
0: So... Antonio Gates, San Diego Chargers, mm-hmm. 3,200 yards receiving and thirty-one touchdowns.
1: He was right there, so he had a total of five hundred and six fantasy points for those three years. Um, Tony Gonzalez was five hundred eight, so I mean interchangeable. Like two, yeah. yeah. All right, so I had one B. I guess I should have said not one
0: two. But go ahead.
1: So staying away from criminals, I went with uh, Jason Witten, um, thirty-one hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns
0: like this is I feel like that was a bit of a bit shot shot at me Shots so, fired um, you know it, it was difficult I just want to preface my next pick by saying there wasn't very many there for the fourth tight end from that decade it was tough to find right um, so I decided you know what Mike I wanted to give you and your dad and all the Cleveland Browns fans out there. A little, a little present. I, I went ahead and took Kellen Winslow Jr. From 06, 07, and 09. Uh, he had 2,850 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns. And I'm going to leave that there.
1: It seemed like a good pick at the time. All right. <laughs> I'm all just win, baby. Like, <laughs> let's go. All right, so we got kickers.
0: Kickers. I took – I. you know, I have no – by the time we're at kickers, I'm, like, so done researching players – Jeff Wilkins, St. Louis Rams, oh one, oh three, oh six. He had four hundred twenty-one points scored. He had a
1: massive 0-3 season.
0: Yeah, the, he had the one season that was like the. It's like one of they say it could be the best kicking season in, in NFL history, or one of the top like three or four. So anyway, that's where I went. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you definitely beat me there. You had 421 uh, fantasy points. I took David Acres of the Eagles. Uh, what do they call it? David Green Acres. Yeah. Um 020809 uh 416 total points um, scored over those 3 years. So, I guess we're at that moment. So, let's take a look. I forgot what you are. Okay. Um your fantasy points total 8010 point 06. We're going to give you that 06. And mine is 8,057.86. So very close. 47 points and some change. I win. Oh, man. All right. So I'll what are we at now? We're at like you're up a one Europe. One. one, yeah. But I, what is it? Hopefully like-
0: I can can
1: get get it back. Four and three or something like that. Yeah.
0: It's, I think it's, yeah, it's four and three. Fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands and and USFL. Or not yeah, I mean not USFL. AFL. AFL. Yeah. Good times. All right. So let's uh let's get to our winners and losers of the decade.
1: Alright. So uh, my first winner is player safety. Uh, NFL um, from both internal injured stars and external US Congress um, really begin to create and enforce rules to protect players. You know, low hits, spearing, horse collars, shots to the head. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, that one where they pick them up and they throw pile them, and them, pile drive them. Yeah, that was outlawed too.
0: Uh, yeah. So my uh, first winner of the decade, or my only winner of the decade, I just thought NFL quarterback play, like when this is when it kind of hit the peak you got peyton manning slinging the ball over tom brady's coming into his own um you know he's, you have brett Favre's still there drew uh, drew breeze even drew bledsoe like he's with buffalo he had a couple good years there yeah it, it's just i think it's like i don't know if you can find i mean maybe today with like patrick mahomes and some of these guys but um i think that you're dude, this was like at least as far as up to this point in our lives, I think that there had never been as good of quarterback play.
1: Yeah, we discussed this, uh, I believe it in the last episode, where you have those those players from the 80s that retired in 99 and they basically handed off the, the, you know, the baton to uh, Peyton Manning. And we're finally starting to see this collection of players at that end of the 90s, early part of the 2000s. They're really starting to come into their own here. It's like the next generation. But there was like a four, five, six year gap where kind of there was that trough of, you know, good quarterback play. But we're definitely in the middle of it this decade.
0: Yeah, for sure. All
1: right. My next winner is uh, NFL owners. I mean, it's obvious, I guess. But um, this is specifically for the genius of the mega stadiums. Uh, This allows for bigger luxury box revenues. They have a massive real estate asset, opportunity for Super Bowls, all sorts of things with these new stadiums. Yeah, it's been crazy.
0: Yeah, that then there was quite a few stadiums opening in that decade. So yeah.
1: All right. So I kind of want to talk about parody. Uh, it's one of my observations of the 2000s and, and stuff like that. And I want to bring that up in the wiz, in the in the in the winners here. Okay. Um, and that is parody. Parody is alive and well. So of the decades, seven different teams won a Super Bowl in the 2000s. That's, that's crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, that is. Um, including four teams winning their first Super Bowl in franchise history. This is the Baltimore Ravens, the New England Patriots, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and New Orleans Saints. We also have three more teams making their first appearance in the Super Bowl with Carolina Panthers, uh, Seattle Seahawks, and Arizona Cardinals. So I thought that was really interesting that we have so, much, um, so many different teams competing. I mean, it really helps the fan base, obviously. Like, you think your team has a shot every year. Yeah. So um, hope, it, it's... Hope springs
0: eternal, man, every, every <laughs> It year. does.
1: So, yeah, that, so that's Parity and um, the fan bases. That's one of my uh, my winners.
0: Okay. All right, on to uh, our losers.
1: All right, so my first loser is... And that, I don't mean this like he's a, a loser as a person, but just... Kind of what happened to him during this period of time is uh, Drew Bledsoe, after getting obliterated in week two of the 2001 season, he would never be a starter for New England, uh, the New England Patriots again, outside of in the regular season. Tom Brady would lead them to three Super Bowls out of four trips throughout the decade. So Bledsoe was the starting quarterback for the Patriots, um, drafted number one. Took him to the Super Bowl. They lost to uh, the Packers and Brett Favre. Um, they get back there in 2001. Never to play again. Ends up going to that uh, that Bills Buffalo Bills team and has a couple of good years there before retiring to uh, Eastern Washington to make wine.
0: Yeah, with Dan Marino.
1: Is that right? Yeah. Amazing. I gotta go. I gotta get over there and tr- try it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my only loser for the decade that i thought i mean i was just like i I love football so much man it's always hard for me to come up with losers but i just thought walter payton's records were the losers of this decade and really kind of a lot of the old records that that went by the wayside with uh you know george blanda's all-time scoring record uh walter payton's rushing record and scrimmage uh, yards yeah Yeah. uh, all-purpose yards or scrimmage yards uh record went down and um, you know, we're we're coming out of the out of the nineties we lose Walter Payton in, in ninety nine and then and then it's you know, his his records start falling and uh, just it was that that was always sad to me. So I was you know, I, I love Walter Payton and, and some of those old running backs. So it was you know, that was my loser for the for the decade.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, one of my losers was fun. Uh, the NFL begins to clamp down on excessive celebrations. Now, me personally, I thought it was fun to watch them pull a cell phone out of like the goal uh, goalpost pad start, uh, and uh, grab a pen from the sock and, and sign something and throw it up into the stands. Like all that stuff was the popcorn, all that mm-hmm. stuff was great. I thought it was fun. Um,
0: when, hey, when, when Terrell Owens went out to, to the Dallas Cowboys star and you yeah, know, put his arms up there. And then I don't know if it was Roy Williams or. Yep. It was Roy Williams, went and just tried to. Horse collared him right oh, there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: was wild.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's why you don't want them messing around like that. But right. um, yeah. We've come back to it, though, at the end of the day. We have a lot of guys now that, that do that. We have entire teams that are doing celebrations in front of a camera that's le- like legitimately or literally put there you know, for these types of celebrations. So I guess they've lightened up a bit.
0: Yeah. My favorite's when a team is losing by like 30 points and they decide to, they get an interception and decide to go down and pose in front of the camera. It's like, man, come on. Yeah. Get the hell out of the sideline. (laughs) Get this game over with. Anyway. All right, go ahead. You got another one.
1: Yep. Got one more. Uh, Dysfunctional players. They really had a tough time during this. Uh, NFL begins to clamp down on the behavior detrimental to the league and teams. Um, This one has always been, I mean, it's very clear that when somebody does something wrong, they should get, you know, punished to the full extent of the law or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to be, you know, too hard on anybody. And I always believe in second chances and all that kind of other stuff. But I think one of the things that never really sits well with me in general is kind of um, rooting for a team or for a player that has done something that's pretty disgusting at the end of the day. And it's like, yeah, so there's, you know, players like Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Jameis Winston and Ray Rice, you know, these players, it's really hard to, you know, obviously root for that, you know, for those players to be successful. Um but I enjoy the game part of it, and what in the product that we do see. And again, second chances—I I believe in them. And you know, but there's also like this thing that it's kind of dirty to kind of participate in a game that keeps somebody like Antonio Brown on the roster. He he held it together for a year, and you know, yeah. he's on a roster. You know that kind of stuff. I just maybe I we should give just, it a little more time.
0: I just think that guy. And I hate to say it, but like I have a buddy, and we always joke like if an NFL player does something crazy, it's like, man, that dude must have CTE. like Something's wrong with him, you know? And who knows? I mean, they, it sure sounds like, like uh, specifically Antonio Brown's dealing with some uh, mental issues right now. So, you know, I definitely wish him well, but you know, probably the last place he needs to be is on a football team.
1: Yeah, all sorts of stuff that happens that makes it difficult, I guess. There's always that you know hypocrisy that you have to kind of come to terms with personally well right. not maybe somebody out there doesn't but i do yeah all right that was it for my losers yeah I'm, you're all I'm, set i'm out man. all right let's
0: uh let's get on to who uh end of our categories right
1: yep that's it
0: so who won? Who won the decade, Mike? Let's uh, let's get into it.
1: Well, it's pretty clear. Yeah, it's uh, the winner is the New England Patriots. They had a uh, wow. dynasty score of forty. They won one hundred and twelve and forty eight record for the decade. They made the playoffs seven times, conference champion four times, three time uh, champ, uh, world champion, 0-1, and then back to back in three and four. Um, my notes for them are the Patriots, Belichick, Brady's, they had this ability to a- adapt the roster, um, to NFL trends, to matchups. Um, the Patriots started the decade, uh, mostly as kind of a defensively oriented team with McGinnis and Vrabel, uh, lawyer Malloy, Rodney Harrison, but pivoted towards the end of the decade to one of the most dynamic offenses of all time with Brady and Randy Moss throwing over 4,800 yards and 50 TDs, a record at the time. Um, And they were the first team to go um, undefeated in the regular season since the 72 Dolphins.
0: That's the one season I was actually rooting for them to uh, win the Super Bowl because the only thing more annoying than Patriots fans... Are the seventy-two Dolphins players that are still alive, like Mercury Morris? <laughs> and I just never wanted to see that guy go on SportsCenter and rap again. Oof! He does a little. He does a little rap. A every little thing. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think they have him on anymore. But anymore, like nobody goes undefeated longer than four or five, five weeks every season. It feels like so. Yeah. Um. Yes, and, and you know, I guess that was those three championships in oh one oh three and oh four mean, that was the the first of uh tom brady's two nfl uh hall of fame caliber careers yes three
1: Uh, if you break it down because then he then he goes in the next decade where he is the most dynamic offenses in the world from oh seven where he he basically lost like three in a row or something like that he lost um the oh eight super bowl 11 Um, and then he gets the Seahawks one. So there's like that window there. And then, and then what is his career now? So like you can break his, his whole career down to three succinct hall of fame careers. It's pretty damned amazing.
0: You know, and I'm like the biggest Patriots hater ever. And like up and, I mean, I, I, I've appreciate, I appreciate Tom Brady so much more now and Belichick, like kind of after these documentaries that have been coming out, um, you know like with the the two bills documentary mm-hmm. uh, the 30 for 30 and then now the man in the arena documentary i'm i'm really kind of captivated by these guys and what they were doing back then but they were real close to losing especially those early super bowls they were really really close to losing a few of those and oh, and then the Seahawks super bowl i mean the Seahawks got really lucky to even get back into that game like the patriots probably should have won if it wasn't for that long past a Jermaine curse down the sideline but um you know it is what it is they they got it done at the end of the day so congratulations to our our uh, dynasty of the decade which was not not a whole lot of uh not a whole lot of mystery to who that was going to be but
1: yeah they, um, they're by far the highest points for for that decade yeah our next two are tied oh, so okay. what's the runner-up
0: Runner-up is the Pittsburgh Steelers, which just depresses me because they won a Super Bowl against my Seahawks. Anyway, they had a dynasty-by-decade score of 26. Uh, their record for the decade was 103-56-1. and 1. Uh, Made the playoffs six times, conference champions twice, NFL champions twice in 05 and 08. Um, notes, uh, were they were able to win a Super Bowl with two virtually different teams. Cowher coached 05, team focused on defense and rushing. Jerome Bettis and what, Joey Porter, I think, was their big. Like, he was a beast of a linebacker. Right. Um, and actually, I just heard him mentioned on that, that Monday night game I keep referring to between the Steelers and the, and the uh, Browns because I think T.J. Watt had, like, the only person – He passed in that game because I think he had three sacks in that one game. um, TJ Watt did. And they said he passed either, yeah, I think he passed Joey Porter for the most sacks in a season Mm. in in Steelers history. Either that or it was maybe in a game. It's either in a game or in a a season. One of the two. Stat guy will definitely get me on this. It
1: can't be a season, right? It has to be a game.
0: Yeah, it must be a game. Anyway, um, and then their second uh, championship was uh, with Mike Tomlin as the coach in 08. And that squad focused on defense, of course, and passing offense with Roethlisberger.
1: Yeah, so the, that particular year, um, I believe Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator. Um, they were really focused on the the passing game, and you could see that in the Super Bowl. Um, they also uh, ran into the Cardinals and Kurt Warner in the Super Bowl that year uh, in 08, and that was... Another example of why you don't throw an uh, an inside slant on the goal line in the Super Bowl because that also was picked off and ran back for a touchdown in this case. Right. So um, it's I hated the play when the Seahawks did it. Um, it Just doesn't work for me inside slants with when the when the other team's in a goal line. D don't do it. Yeah. Learn from history. You know, Sun Tzu. Right.
0: Please, please. And, the, you know, the other thing about the Steelers that I think is so fascinating is that as long as – like, they've had three coaches in the last
1: – So, Chuck Knoll, Cower, and Mike Tomlin.
0: Yeah. Like, there's was nobody – wasn't – that was – It's
1: not ever. I mean, the team goes back to the 40s, dude. Okay.
0: My bad. Okay. Anyways, but, but like, modern-day foot like, that's – like, how many teams – because that spans back to the 70s at least. Mm-hmm. Sure. It that's does. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Three coaches and that's stability. That's what
1: you get. Well, they're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers are runner-up. So, our honorable mention, also with a dynasty score of twenty-six, is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, They went one hundred and fifteen and forty-five for the decade. uh, Made the playoff nine times conference championship three times, world champion one time, 2006. So uh, Peyton Manning finally made it over the hump uh, and brought the Super Bowl championship to the Indianapolis Colts, their first since moving from Baltimore. Um, he had the most wins and playoff ex- uh, appearances in the decade, but had a really tough time getting through some of the top AFC teams. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of like what his 2000, uh, 2000s looked like. So in 2000, he lost in the wild card round to the Dolphins, 17 to 23. In 01, they missed the playoffs. Uh, this was that famous Jim Mora playoffs, playoffs. That whole thing that he did. <laughs> Love it. In 02, um, they lost in the wild card round to the Jets, 41 to zero. Whew. Um, this is where Brady kind of comes in uh, and starts to <laughs> um, what, sh- wait, pee on his Jets cloud.
0: What? team was that? who was, was that Chad Pennington
1: uh, may have or been was
0: that still Vinny Testaverde.
1: Um, I thought Vinny, it could be Vinny. I don't know.
0: Uh, I, I would love, yeah, we're going to, I'm doing some digging into that one for next guy. <laughs> I, I gotta get with stat guy on that game. Okay,
1: go ahead. Please do. All right. So, um, 2003 lost the AFC conference game, um, 24 to 14 versus the Patriots. 04, they lost a divisional round to the Patriots, 20-3. to um, In 05, they lost a divisional round uh, to the Steelers, uh, 21-18. Uh, they finally won the Super Bowl in 06. 07, they lose in divisional round to the Chargers. Uh, 08, lose in the wild card round to the Chargers. 2009, lost in uh, the Super Bowl to the New Orleans Saints, 40, or Super Bowl 44, uh, they lost thirty-one to seventeen, so that a really tough go at a few things there. And then I had one other kind of like interesting uh, sidebar. Like, obviously they were putting a lot of rules in place to kind of beef up this offense um, that was lagging as you were getting into the into the eighties. And I guess despite all of that, we saw. Several, like four of the top 10 to 15 defense in the history of the NFL happened during this decade. So we had that 2000 uh, Baltimore Ravens team, we had the 2002. Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, that Tampa 2 coverage that they ran there, uh, the 08 Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, of course the 09 um, New Orleans Saints Bounty Gate team. Now for them, statistically, uh, they were 20th in best in uh, defense in 2009. Um, But the Saints, just watching them, they were some of the most violent Hits that I had seen right. yeah, on they TV. Were,
0: they were they were monsters out there. Where where do you? Because that maybe that's something else we can get into and like break down who we think the best defenses of all time were or something. But um, I'm always curious to, as to where people because like the '85 Bears obviously are, are considered by most to be one of the, if not the best top five for sure best defense. And then I, you know, I, I kind of clumped the the Bears of 85, the 2000 Ravens, and the, whatever, 2013 Seahawks into, and I'm, I'm probably being a homer with throwing
1: the Seahawks that high. They're top, they're top 15.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm having, I thought they were, like, top five, though.
1: So well, I've read a few articles, and some of them have them outside of the top eight, and okay. some of them have them, like, ranked two. so it really depends on how you look at you know whether you're just looking at numbers right like the numbers like points allowed things like that i don't think they're in that top five range but just watching with your own eyes and what they were able to do um is something you know completely different so
0: yeah we we definitely yeah i I, i'd I'd like to uh to get into some of these kind of you know best quarterbacks ever versus you know from decade to decade and Uh, stuff like that so hopefully we can dig into that on one of these later episodes but yeah for sure there we have it man we're through the 2000s Mike we only got a couple episodes to go here
1: well they are who we thought they were (laughs)
0: love it talk to you guys next week